with us looking to change the world through education. Each week we bring you a new idea, however big and bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host and my dad, Ryan Scott. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome to another episode of the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Um, if you are just tuning in, you are in for a super treat because believe it or not, and I uh, absolutely cannot believe that I'm saying this, but this is episode 40. Um, crazy, crazy, crazy. But January 7th of this year, on my 40th birthday, I decided to take a leap and start this podcast adventure. And so that was my first episode. And here we are. Um, it's August, and this is the 40th episode. And I've definitely got a, um, a powerhouse episode in store today. So you are super um, lucky to have joined us. Um, today, I have got my friend. Her name is Dr. Heather Lyon. She is a first and foremost, I got to say this, she's a mama. She's a wife. She lives in Western New York. She is the Assistant Superintendent of Curriculum, Instruction, and Technology for Lewiston Porter School District. But, and, and I've got to say this, I love former English teachers. I love the way they look at the world. So I'm super excited to talk to her about it. Um, she is a doctor, as I said. She has her PhD in ed admin, and she also has a master's in reading, which we were talking uh, before I hit the record button. Reading is definitely a subject that I can geek out on. Um, she is an author, and she currently has one book out, but one is on the way. The one that she has, has out is called Engagement is Not a Unicorn. It's a narwhal, which is the coolest title ever. And on the way is the big book of engagement strategy. So without further ado, Dr. Heather Lyon, thank you for being on the Big Ed Idea podcast. Woohoo! Thanks. I'm honored <laughs> to be here. And I love the, uh, that I get to be number 40 when it was on your 40th birthday that you started this. So I'm really honored. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, you know, I've, I've talked to several folks. COVID um, was probably one of the best things professionally for me. Um, now, you know, I hate that it was a worldwide pandemic and we're still going through it and all, but um, I think that lockdown period kind of forced me into a creative space. And I have been able to meet some just super cool people, you um, included. And so, yeah, I'm really excited. This is number 40 and I've literally got a kick-ass guest. <laughs> that's a that's a high bar. I hope to live up to it. <laughs> Listen, I've got to tell you, when um, I read the title of your book, I immediately thought of uh, the movie Elf. Yes, yes, because that's the only place that people like yeah. have seen a narwhal. Yeah, right. Uh, right in movies or whatever, and so and because Elf is. Um, is Hilarious. a right it's the best it's one of the top uh five christmas movies in my opinion yep um uh but anyway because there's no such thing as an elf people see that narwhal and even if they know the name that that of that animal or creature um they don't necessarily always know that narwhals are real animals right. swimming around in our oceans as we speak um 
which is really where the title came from because everybody knows what a unicorn is, even though unicorns aren't real. Sure. But not everybody knows what a narwhal is, even though narwhals are real. Huh. And so, yeah, so engagement in schools, my point is that oftentimes we think of it as mythical, like unicorns, but it's alive and real and out there, um, but probably not very common. Yeah, I was, uh, as I was driving today, I was actually thinking about this episode and engagement is is definitely, I'm excited to talk about it because I think it's something um, folks have different definitions and and maybe there's a little bit differences in opinion of what it actually is. So yeah, I'm super excited to get into that to tonight's episode. Thank so thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So like I told you, um, you are number 40, but last episode I started this new segment of called What's Going On at the Scott Household. And it's essentially um just to bring a little levity, a little humor to this podcast. Um, I mean, I say it every episode, like this is real life and you know, real life stuff <laughs> happens. I'm a dad, first and foremost. And so uh, tonight, what's going on? Well, in two short weeks, um, we are taking my baby girl, our oldest, off to college. And uh, I've got to tell you, I'm a little, it's bittersweet, you know, um, definitely worried about, you know, not being able to make sure she's okay and everything. And I know I was a complete train wreck at 18 when I went to college. <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of prayer, a lot of trust. Um, but then at the end of the day, I'm super excited that she's going to, uh, I guess set out on her own journey. Well, I wish her luck on that journey. Um, it's funny when you're 18, four years seems like it's so long for college but now I, you're 40. I just had my 43rd birthday oh, Okay. and, um, uh, four years is nothing now. <laughs> no, like it's really not. I've got socks that are that old. Oh, for sure. You <laughs> probably, I know I have socks that are twice. That oh, yeah. Age, so yeah. yeah. Amen. Four, four years is nothing. Yeah. But a lot can happen. And so, um, and she'll go in, we all go into college thinking we know what we want to do or, have a sense of that and then we come out and we've learned so much in those four years so it's a really exciting time period in in someone's life yeah I, I I tell her all the time she knows my story uh she knows that she was the reason that I got my stuff together quite honestly um she mm -hmm. knows you know I started college at 18 but I didn't finish till I was 27 so I pray she doesn't take that route uh, mm -hmm. but you know who knows who knows where, where she's going to be led. So I'm super excited. That's excellent. Yeah. Thank you. So, okay. So, you know, um, we like to stress the importance of connections before content. And so I love this next segment and it's called the two for two. And it's where we get to know each other a little bit better outside of the education realm. Um, because I mean, let's be honest, we live in the education realm, but that's not really like our whole life. Um, so I've got to ask you, this first question tells me a lot about somebody. Okay, I'm ready for it. It's like truth or dare. Yeah, yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Top three bands. Oh, my gosh. Um, and whatever comes to your mind, like, don't put, don't put too okay. much thought into it. Just shoot. Okay, so 
I'm embarrassed by my answers. <laughs> this is really what the pause is. Like, can I make hipper answers in this moment? And I can't. Um, I really like Guns N' Roses. <laughs> no, nothing. Listen, there is nothing wrong with that. Especially the Use Your Illusion one and two albums, which I could sing every word of those. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I love the Counting Crows. Um <sighs> And so these are all throwback things, you know, um, August and everything after I think, oh my gosh. Right. So good. Oh, okay. Um, I like you. And I'm going with Nirvana for my third. Okay. Um, My, (laughs) my oldest son now is starting to play the electric guitar. Like he's picked this up. Um, in part because um, I told him he couldn't be on electronics uh, during this past school year for a period of time because his grades dropped below what we agreed they would be. Sure. And um, so he started playing a, a, an acoustic guitar that we had in the house and which has turned into now he wanted a, an electric co- guitar, which he recently got. And uh, apparently Nirvana songs are easy to play. I don't know. Yeah. And so like he three. plays a lot of Nirvana. Yeah. They're like three chords. <laughs> And they yeah. repeat, they repeat quite a bit, but okay. So these, I've got to tell you, these three tell me a lot about you. Um, in 90, <laughs> no, I'm serious. When I was in middle school, Nirvana, I was so hooked on Kurt Cobain. Like I cut the holes out of my sleeves and I had my thumb right. through, you know, to this day, right. my, yeah, to this day, my favorite, probably my favorite album to listen to is the unplugged Nirvana. It's so good. <laughs> when I'm washing dishes, when I'm cooking. Uh, yeah, my, my kids love music because that's all I ever have on. Yeah. Okay. My um, friend, you can tell I'm a child of the nineties yeah. like by the, yeah, and <laughs> the fans I named. There is nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, I actually, um, all right. I actually just started watching, um, Woodstock 99. There's a documentary. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really taken me back to like some of those bands when I was young and dumb. So worth watching. I'm hearing what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. So my top three, um, these ebb and flow, because like I said, like music is always a part of me. I love music right now. um, I would say I'm really into Leon Bridges. Um, Love some like Motown type feel music um but then i also love kings of leon yeah and uh they're so passionate when they sing yep and then yeah another so okay you may not know who this is his name is charlie tuna he was a rapper with the jurassic five uh which was an early 90s hip-hop so yep that's me excellent all right so now is it no, you still got one more, sis. Oh, I didn't know. I thought maybe we went back and forth. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, okay. This next question was a actually an idea from my wife, and she normally has really good ideas, so we'll see. Um, who do you... <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, imagine it is your best day, like mm-hmm. the best day you've ever had or will have. Who is the first person that you call? Well, it would be my husband, except if it's the best day, he's right next to me anyway, if I'm waking up. So, 
So I don't know, because if it's the best day, I'm surrounded by the people I love. There's nobody I need to call because they're all there with me. Man, that's a that's a very wonderful answer. I want to know who your wife will call. <laughs> she better freaking call me. <laughs> I know, right? Where are you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, on my, on my best day, I would I would definitely call my wife if I wasn't here. You know, like, right. like if I got offered a position or something, yeah, obviously. Yeah. She's going to be the first one I call. Yeah, for sure. And then I'm going to stop and, and get a really nice bottle of bourbon to celebrate. <laughs> you are in Kentucky. <laughs> I, am. I am. All right, Miss Heather, um, what questions do you have for me? Okay, question number one. Uh, what advice would you give your future self? Ooh. Hmm. What advice would I give my future self? Slow down. Slow down. Definitely. Uh, we were talking about this earlier, you know, having, having one that's getting ready to move out of the house. Um, when she was growing up, I was a select soccer coach and high school girls soccer coach for most of her life. And I was busy, pretty busy. And um, yeah, I wish I would have slowed down. So I, I, yep. And so I answered my question too, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I have to answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, you stole my answer. Honestly, I lived my, and it's, it's funny, one. you know, that you were talking about this is something that you're doing in your 40s. Um, I'm three years in now, like I said, and there's a lot of my 30s that I regret because I live them in fast forward. Um, I, I have always had this drive to succeed yeah. and yeah. to, you know, achieve. And I really do like that part about me. But at the same time, um, I can be so focused on a goal that I forget to be in the present moment. So slowing down is really important. Yeah. Um, so, right, exactly. So hopefully my future self will know that anyway. So uh, maybe I'll just be, uh, the advice would be enjoy the fact that you, you took your own advice. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, All right, what's your next this, one? Okay, so the second question I have to preface because it's connected to uh, engagement. Okay. And so we'll get there, but when I, I say that there are really four levels of engagement. And so the highest level are things that we're absorbed in, the things where we're in the moment and time, like an, an hour can feel like 10 minutes. Um, and like, you have to tell yourself, okay, I, I, I know I have to stop, but you wanna keep going. So I call that absorption. So my question to you is, and usually what we find absorbing are the things in our lives that we actually have to pay to do, not the things we get paid to do because they're like our hobbies and things. Right. Like that. Right. So what do you find absorbing? Um, so working out, um, my favorite way to work out is to, we have a awesome river walk. And so like, I love to run and then find like a playground and work out at the playground and then just keep running and yeah, if I'm not careful, like I could do it for hours at a time because I just put my headphones in. Um, I just go to a different place. Um, 
Yeah, that's like that's like my happy place. Which is I'm weird. Jealous. Which is weird because, well, number one, I don't slow down very well at all, <laughs> at all. And so it's really weird to me that my most relaxed is when I'm kicking my own butt. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I envy that and other people um, who enjoy that physical aspect of, of, you know, being alive and human. Um, I'm a, I'm an excellent sitter. Um, <laughs> you mean like sitting for kids? No, I no. mean like I, I can get like on a plane, you know, for a few hours and not oh, get I'm so envious. Yeah. Um, but like I went for a run today and I yeah, really yeah. just had to mentally say, you're just going to do it. Right. Um, even though I didn't necessarily want to do it, it wasn't calling my name. Right. Um, I'll tell you so, what helps me. So two things, pre-workout and some really good tunes. And, and I'm, and I'm just telling you probably from your little list here, you've probably yeah. got some really good rock that you can throw on and, and get you going. You know what I listen to when I, when I work out, it's not music, it's books and podcasts because I really have to focus Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because it will have a plot or, you know, I'm listening to what people are saying. And so that way I can just distract my inner voice from being like, this sucks. But <laughs> <laughs> see, like me, I'll listen to like screaming loud music. And then I'm like, this sucks, but I love it. <laughs> Um, so for me, the things that I find absorbing, um, I love to be in the kitchen to cook and to bake. I do that, um, every weekend. It's very cathartic for me, but also if I never had to make a dime in my life, I would be a potter, um, like sit there with a lump of clay on the wheel and make oh, pots. Cool. Yeah. So, um, I took a, a pottery course in college um, never having done that before, but really fell in love with it. And when I tell you that I'm not good at it, like I'm not being modest or humble. I am. <laughs> I'm like, since I no, suck. yeah. Like I'm really not good at it, but it is, that is the thing in my life that taught me to enjoy process in yeah, a way right. that I had not previously internalize that message and so my degree in English you know I'm writing all of these essays and I would put the value of my writing in the hands of my professors so whatever grade they gave me uh, was the measure by which sure. it was of quality and I abdicated that to someone else and it was through the pottery course I had this I mean, when I tell you that like my professor for pottery was this hippie who like didn't wear shoes, this is true. Well, of course um, it is. <laughs> right. And so, um, but he was like, just enjoy it. And I really learned to enjoy that process. And I was able to transfer that thinking into other areas of my life, which was really a very healthy mindset to adopt. Very cool. And, it, and it's really cool how just the little, like the littlest things can teach us these huge life lessons, like, like pottery, just sitting down at a pottery wheel, like you said, yeah. like just constantly doing it over and over and over and over, um, is so applicable to other areas of your life. I think that's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. Oh. So anyway, uh, 
cooking and pottery are my absorbing tasks. All right. Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So next time I need a bowl, um, I will call you. <laughs> it may not look I like will... a bowl when you're done. No, <laughs> no. Like I'm sitting here like this is, this is a pot that I made. That's perfect. And, uh, oh, it's fine. It, I mean, it does the job, but like, this is too big at the bottom. <laughs> it's too much and whatever. Like I know what I'm supposed to do intellectually, but to actually have my hands form that properly, it's really tough. And I will also say that that created a, a lot of empathy in me in ways that I think it's really important as a human being, but definitely as a teacher. Like I think we all have students in our classrooms who understand theoretically what's what they're supposed to do and then when they go to enact that it's not as easy as the teacher or another student makes it seem sure um and so you know there's that balance between effort and achievement um that um that I learned through that process yeah one of my uh, one of my previous guests um David Frangiosa um talks about revamping grading and he is in favor more of grading the effort and grading the process rather than the final product um which i think is a wonderful kind of really cool way to look at it all right so miss heather um i'm always super interested in how folks found education um or you know the older i've gotten i like to say how education found other people um, cause I very, very much think that I would say 99% of everybody that's in education, um, is in it for a reason and they were put in education for a reason. And so I'm, I'm super excited and super interested to find out how did Ed find Heather Lyon? Uh, the long way, um, <laughs> the long way is the short answer. Um, I did not go to college wanting to be a teacher. Okay. I went to college explicitly not wanting to be a teacher. I am embarrassed, but it is true that no, I no. looked at my uh, teachers in school and I was like, well, yeah, they know what they're doing, but they couldn't do what they are, are saying that they know about for money. Like my chorus teacher, sure, she could sing, but she can't like sing for money. It's so awful. Um, and then I wanted to get a degree in English and I wanted to be a writer. And I knew that I wasn't gonna become a well-paid famous author overnight. And so I didn't wanna live with my parents for the rest of my life. What? So I know, so I decided to get um, certified to teach as my backup plan because at the time, and the pendulum always swings. So sometimes there's a teacher shortage sure. and sometimes there isn't. Sure. I happen to be, um, graduating from college around the time when, um, you know, teaching could be someone's backup plan. Yeah. And so um, I was really scared going into student teaching because I was like, I don't like kids. Now, keep in mind, I'm like 20 <laughs> years old, <laughs> 20, 21, whatever. I don't like kids and um, I don't like getting up early and what am I doing? And, you know, all kinds of things. I'd rather listen to Guns N' Roses. Right. <laughs> yeah. All of that. And my cooperating teacher, her my first one, because I had two, uh, her name was D or is D Schwartz. 
And she loved what she did. You could, it just emanated from her. And she, her passion was contagious. Um, and I realized, oh my gosh, I can get paid to read and write and talk to other people about what they're reading and writing about. Not only that, like I can assign them to read and write about the things that I want to read and write about. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how Ed found me. Um, I realized pretty quickly that the things that I thought I didn't like, I was wrong about. And the, um, I'm going to say disrespect almost that I had for my teachers. I wasn't disrespectful, but I didn't respect sure. uh, what their, their craft. Sure. Um, and I started to really appreciate that in ways that, um, that were really um, engaging for me. And then I became an administrator because I was like, I, I needed a new backup plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the beauty of being a teacher is it's not cutthroat. It's not, you know, like who do you have to kill in order to get to the top? Because you can start and be doing the exact same thing as the person next to you who's about to retire. And there's a lot of uh, democracy in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I was so, I started my leadership, my formal leadership pathway so early in my career that I didn't realize how many teacher leadership pathways there were. Um, so I could have, as a teacher, found lots of ways to be a yes. teacher leader and to really not be doing the same thing for 30 years, even though my title might be sure. the same thing for 30 years. Sure. Um, but I didn't know what I didn't know then. And definitely, like you said, uh, that the pathway that I have been on for sure has been a divine pathway. I am in the right seat. Um, and when you know it, when you are, you, I feel like every job that I've had up to this point has prepared me to be successful Amen. at the job that I have. And that just feels so good. I wish that for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely, um, super thankful for education. Um, kind of like you, this was definitely not my first gig. Um, I say it proudly now I chose education for the summers off. Um, cause it was, I, I was, um, I was a single dad trying to raise a little girl and, um, I needed a career that I knew I could be a family person and my mom was a teacher. And so I knew education had a great schedule for families. Um, and yeah. just, you know, lucky that when I actually got into the classroom, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? How it is. that, that original attraction is not the reason why you stay. That's exactly right. Um, and and kind of to reflect on something you said, I'm a big, 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 big proponent that uh, God puts you in particular places at particular times for particular reasons. And um, the older I've gotten, the, the, the more that I realized I had no clue at the time. But looking <laughs> back, it all fits together, like you said. Yeah. And so yeah. that's really, really, really cool. Oh, same to you. Like, so now yeah. that you have been in ed, so I'm guessing what, like 16 years, 17 years? I am going into my 22nd year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you started a little earlier than I did. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
you have been in this game for 22, 23 years. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, pendulum swing, they're mm-hmm. all over the place. Um, I guess I'm curious as what is that problem in education that um, your idea goes to, I guess, try to alleviate? Yes. So um, I became an administrator and uh, actually before I became an administrator, I was working on my administrative certification and I was a staff developer and I went to this training because one of my coworkers was like, come with me. I didn't really know what I was going you know, too, but it was the Charlotte Danielson framework for teaching. And so, um, which if you're a teacher, you know what I'm talking about. Danielson framework. Um, Yep. Yes, exactly. And then I did become an administrator and that was the tool that I was supposed to be using to evaluate what good teaching is supposed to look like. Same here. And when you use that tool, you're faced pretty quickly with this paradox, this contradiction, because on one hand, if you look at the tool in isolation, it's, I, I actually really love it. Um, I don't like how it's used and Danielson didn't design it to be used as an evaluation tool. She designed it to be this frame. That's why she calls it the framework for teaching. And in it, it talks about Um, engagement. And so I would be spoken to about engagement, but then I would be told to go in and observe teachers using, you know, a checklist. And so that checklist really was um, the antithesis of engagement. (laughs) It was, you know, basically compliance. It was who's going to be sitting still doing what they're told to do and, you know, tally that up. Whereas I was getting, I um, started to get some professional development from a woman named uh, Paula Bevan, who at the time was working for the Danielson Group. And she was saying engagement really looks like brain sweat. And so the kids' brains should be sweating based on what they're learning and doing. I am writing that Um, down. It's so good, right? So engagement Um, is sweaty, is what you're saying. Yes, right. Um, And so I started doing some thinking and then I ended up um, at another school, we were doing like the shared substitute recruitment there. And I, this is a true story. Um, I used their, um, their faculty women's room and they had a poster in there on engagement (laughs) in the bathroom. There's a great way to learn. Yeah, right. And so it was Philip Schlepty's five levels of engagement. And um, anyway, he talks in, uh, in his understanding of engagement, he talks about compliance and, and whatnot. And, and it really got me thinking. And so one thing leads to another, and I developed this continuum of engagement that has four levels of engagement. So on the far left, you have the lowest level of engagement. Um, and on the far right, you have the highest level of engagement. So the two lowest levels of engagement aren't actually engagement. Um, so it's non-compliance, which then bumps up to compliance, which then you get to interested and interested is engaged, but it's a lower level of engagement. And then the highest level is absorption. And so I felt great about that. 
But then I was like, well, what makes someone go from one level of engagement to another? So I took that straight line and I bent it pole to pole to create a two by two matrix. And so all of this is on my website and in my book, but um, by any means, because I wanted to think about what are the variables that would cause somebody to go from non-compliant to compliant. Like that's what we need to know as yeah. teachers, yeah, or absolutely. as parents even. Um, and so yeah. how do we get somebody who's like, I'm not doing it to, all right, I'll do it. I don't want to, but all right, I will. <laughs> it doesn't really, yeah, it's kind of like you're saying, the Danielson framework, um, Okay, so it's one thing to know what level of engagement is, um, mm -hmm. but it's way more important to know how can we get them to that level that we need. That's exactly right. Yep. And so I realized that along the horizontal axis, so from left to right in this engagement matrix, is your relationship to the task. Like, do you want to do the task? Yes or no. And so if you don't want to do the task, the best you're going to achieve is compliance. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you want to do the, the task, then the lowest that you'll achieve is interest, which is great. I'm not, a, I'm not, uh, poo-pooing interest. Yeah. Um, so, so that's along the bottom. Now, along the vertical, you have your relationship with either, um, the consequence you get for doing the task or not doing it, or your relationship with the person who's assigning the task. So if we're in the bottom left, we're non-compliant, which means we don't want to do the task. We don't care about the person who asked us to do the task. We don't care about what happens to us if we do it or not. Um, and so in order to go up into non-compliant, I'm sorry, from non-compliant to compliant, it means you, you don't care about the task, but you care about the person asking you to do the yeah, task, or you right. care about the consequence you get for doing it or not doing it. So I wouldn't do this for anyone else, but grandma, I'll do this for you. Doesn't mean I want to do the task, but right. I want grandma to be happy. I'll make grandma happy. Or I wouldn't do this task for free, non-compliant, but you're going to pay me pay to do me. the task. And right. I, yes, I will do it for a hundred dollars. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, or I don't want to do this task, but you are threatening um, to call my mom. All right, fine. I'll do the task. Don't call my mom. <laughs> Um, so that's how you shift from non-compliance to compliant. Huh, um, wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So in order, so, but in schools, we often settle for not, for compliance. Like when kids are doing what the adult tells them to do, we interpret that as though the child wants to do that task, right. which is, you know, that's the curse of the administrator with the checklist. Yep. Are, are the kids doing what they're supposed to be doing? The thing is that most kids learn pretty quickly that if they are compliant with behaviors, they can be non-compliant with the learning because uh, learning is internal. And as long as externally, it looks like I'm doing what you want me to do, the teacher will leave me alone. That's a great way to say it. Yeah, no, I think it's a great yeah. way to say it. And I think it, 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 it begs the question about grades and are we grading compliance or are we grading mastery? And, um, oh, so it I, makes me sick. <laughs> yes, it does. And I, and I really hope um, things are changing. Um, it takes forever to, you know, like they say, to, uh, what is it, to move the Titanic? It takes forever. Um, yeah. Hopefully we're around whenever that is changed. Yeah. Well, because we often give 
academic consequences to behavioral issues. So yeah. turning in something late results in a grade less than 100, even yeah. though the original grade should have been 100. Yeah. And so then that mark on the report card or whatever ends up being something that it does not reflect the student's actual knowledge of content, which is what we're supposed to teach kids. The, everything else is a comment or should be uh, attributed in some type of characteristics or behaviors of the learning. So like, because when kids sit down to take the SATs, ACTs, state assessments, all of that, nobody cares if they brought an apple into their teacher and set it on the desk or if they brought an apple in and chucked it at the teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're, they're only worried whether or not they passed the assessment. That's right. That's exactly because right. Because those are what the learning standards are. There is no learning standard about turning things in on time. Well, and, and there should not be. No, no. <laughs> there should not be. Okay, so if the problem with Ed, like you are pointing to, is that engagement is often... Um, how do I say it? We, we, we don't know how to define it. Yeah. Okay. We don't know what we're looking for. Okay. Then what's your big idea? What's your big ed idea? My big idea. Yeah. My big ed idea was engagement is not a unicorn. It's a narwhal because I started to talk about this, uh, framework that I made the, the continuum and the matrix and people were like, oh my gosh, that's so good. Where'd you read that? And I'm like, no, no, I created that. And they're like, oh my gosh, you should write a book. And I mean, again, let's rewind to what I got my degree in and why yeah, right. I wanted to get that degree. And you said, right? amen. I, you said, yes, I was please. Like, right. I was like, oh, I can write. I love to write. So I started to, you know, write and get it down on paper. And um, it was 2018 when I, I was like, I'm giving myself 2018 to finish this book. Um, and to your listeners who might be the, thinking like, oh, I feel like maybe I have a book in me. Yeah. What I know now that I didn't know then is that you don't need to completely write the book <laughs> in order to write the book um, and find a publisher. You need to have a framework of kind of what it is you want to write about and you submit outlines. Uh, most publishers don't expect you to have a manuscript uh, written by the time you give it to them. Good. It's, I'm glad you said that because I've got one that keeps floating around in my head and so, okay. No, I appreciate that applicable advice. So, okay. What is engagement? What's it look like? So, What's it sound like? You know, if I walk into a room, um, you know, I, so I spent 12 years at the elementary level. Now mm -hmm. I'm at the high school level. Um, and I tell my folks all the time, look, I do not know your content. I will not mm -hmm. evaluate you on the content, but for whatever reason, I, you can feel engagement to me. Like if I walk into yes. the room, it's like something I can feel. But at the same time, I personally, give me some tips on, you know, what can I do? How can I see it? Yeah. So I'm going to say a couple things. Um, one of them are, is going to come directly from my book. It's on page 166 in my book. And it's also I, on my website, I, I have this uh, chart. And it's examples of engagement as a unicorn versus engagement as oh, a narwhal. Yeah, right. And so I'll share that in just a second. But before I do that, I want to say you cannot tell how engaged a student is. In other words, are they compliant? You can tell about uh, non-compliant generally by looking. Sure. Sure. Um, but 
that's only non-compliant with behavior. You can't tell non-compliant with learning. So you have to talk to kids. Um, so that's a big piece of advice. Don't think that you can visually assess engagement. You generally can't. Um, and so you have to talk to kids and ask them, you know, uh, tell me about what you're learning. Um, and uh, I don't know if you know Dave Schmidu. Um, oh, yeah. I know Dave yeah. very well. Yeah. He's fantastic. And when I was talking to him, he said, you know, for me, engagement in schools is like an, uh, a woman uh, or especially a woman, but could be a man who is engaged to be married. Like okay. you don't have to ask them, are you engaged? They tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're right. like, oh my God, I'm getting married. Right, and, right, you know, right. This is what we're doing. And here That's are the a great example. I, it's so good, right? Hey, I I'm going to have to talk to Smitto. Yeah. And so um, that's what that's what real engagement looks like in the real world. And that's okay. also what it looks like in the school. So engagement often, if you really want to know how engaged kids are, um, what are they talking about in the hallways and in the cafeteria and places where they don't have to be talking about learning? Are they still talking about it? Um, and interested kids. So this is what's so interesting about interest um, at the interest level. You have, you like the task you're doing, but you need an extrinsic relationship with the person or the consequence. And so you don't do interesting tasks for free is basically what I'm saying. And so many times the things that we're interested in as adults are things that are, are actual jobs, the things we get paid to do. And you know that you're interested and not absorbed if I say to you on Saturday and Sunday, what do you want to do? Do you want to do more of the things that you did during the week? Or do you have other things that you want to do instead? Well, it's and Sunday. Some people, it's Sunday, right? girl, and we are talking Ed. <laughs> we are. And some people for sure definitely say, oh, I want to do more of my work. And more power to them. I'm not, I'm not mad at that. I'm just saying that most of us, the thing that, like, if you stopped getting a paycheck to do what you do, or if all jobs paid exactly the same thing, what would you do? Sure. Um, and so those are some interesting questions. So for kids in classrooms, absorbed kids don't hear the bell ring. You have to tell them to leave. Absorbed kids, you say, okay, you have to put that book away. Absorbed kids, even after the unit is over, they're still learning more about what it is that they were learning about in that unit. Yeah. Um, it, interested kids, they hear the bell ring. They like what they're doing during class. That's not a bad thing, but they hear the bell ring. And when the unit is over, they move on to the next unit. They're not mad about learning the new stuff, but they're not absorbed in what they were learning about before. And I'll take either of those places because that's awesome. Oh, um, yeah. Right? Compliant kids, they're like, I'm doing it until the bell rings, and I'm praying that the bell is going to ring at any second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, huh. Huh. So, so I'm reflecting and, here. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah. And I'm, so I'm thinking back to high school in two classes mm -hmm. in particular. So, um, I really, really liked my like history classes, and I was super interested in it. Um, but like, kind of like you said, when the class was over, I, you know, I, it's not like I went out and read a bunch of history books or anything like that. However, mm -hmm. my Spanish class, I loved to death 
And I remember after I left Spanish, I tried to learn as much Spanish, talk to our Spanish students that were there. I played in a Hispanic soccer league for a little while. So you would say I was absorbed in Spanish. See. <laughs> hey, we be in. Nice job. <laughs> nice job. Okay. Uh, yes. And, and what you're saying absolutely resonates. And you, the other thing that I think we often forget about as educators, because we think people get engaged in things. So like, Ryan likes soccer, but I don't, I teach, I'm teaching the Scarlet Letter. There's nothing related to soccer with the Scarlet Letter. Therefore, sorry, Ryan, um, I guess you're not going to be uh, engaged in my class. The thing that we forget about, though, is that, yeah, people are engaged in with things, but they're also engaged with feelings. Yes. And with philosophies and with experiences like leadership. Yes. And so why we don't, so Ryan, we, I might not be able to talk about soccer, but how can I create a situation where you can be a leader in my classroom? Um, and so you may not get engaged in, um, in the Scarlet Letter, but you may get engaged in learning. And that's what I need. I, the Scarlet Letter is a vehicle to help that. But really what I need is you to be engaged with learning and with the process. You are um, definitely speaking like a English teacher. And um, <laughs> no, I mean that in the best way because I've had multiple conversations with English teachers and um, just this whole, the whole fact that you're not really teaching English, you're teaching life using the books. And, and so I love what you're saying there, taking something from the the tangible world and then being able to put that into the literature or the subject area um hmm, i tell you i'm ordering your book as soon as we are done because i'm oh I, thank you no I, I mean it i would love to offer this as a book study with um you know i am an assistant principal and so i have like 10 teachers on my caseload and i think it'd be really cool to have a book study about engagement uh, invite me, give me a call. I'll be a, I'll be a guest star. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, so uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Go. I just wanted to share just a couple examples of engagement as a unicorn versus a narwhal yeah, yeah. for your listeners. So like engagement as a unicorn is students applaud and thank the teacher for the fantastic lesson. Like that's so. That doesn't happen. No, it doesn't happen. That's anybody who thinks that that's going to happen is like a five-year-old playing school in their yeah. house or yeah, something. Yeah, you're not a teacher. Uh, no, but engagement as a narwhal, which is a real thing, is that students feel proud of their own work and learning. Like, I don't need students to applaud for the teachers. I want them to internally applaud for themselves. Um, so uh, engagement as the unicorn, students fall in love with what the teachers are having them study. Engagement as a narwhal is students are empowered to use what they know and care about to drive what they are studying. Yes. Um, engagement as a unicorn is all students always do their homework. Engagement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Engagement as a narwhal is homework is learning practice, meaning only those who need the practice need to do it. Um, Gosh. Choice and voice are the two easiest and highest leverage gateway uh, opportunities from compliant to interest. Yeah. Um, 
Offering kids choice and voice is just such an easy thing to do. It's the easiest way for differentiation. And yet we get all kinds of tangled and complicated about it. So I always say, okay, voice is, Ryan, it is your birthday. You can pick any restaurant you want to go to for dinner tonight. And you're going to say wherever. Right. And then when we get there, you're going to have a menu. You have to order off of the menu. That's the choice. So voices, where do you want to go to dinner? Choices, here are the options to choose from once you get there. Okay. So voice is, this is how I want to, um, this is how I want to show you my learning. And then yes. choice is, okay, you're going to show me my learning, but you have to, you have to do it in, or have to include yes. X, Y, and Z. Yes. Or X, Y, or Z. There you mm -hmm. go. Mm -hmm. huh. Yeah. Engagement is one of those things. Um, it's definitely, yeah, yeah. I, I can see how you called it not a unicorn, a narwhal. I, and the more we talk about this, the love, the more I love the name of that book because yeah, you're <laughs> right. You're exactly right. Engagement, people have all kinds of ideas of what it is. Right. And they're usually mythical. Mythical meaning they're either so far out of reach that it's silly or the bar is so low so the so far out of reach that it's silly is the applauding sure and the bar so low is something like all kids are doing their homework that's actually that's a pretty low bar actually is that all we want? Um, come on right <laughs> right well um, girl. or even like all students do what they're told i mean that's heartbreaking um engaged people ask lots of questions yeah. engaged people want to know more and so they're it can be the the class where you are likely to see the highest levels of engagement is a kindergarten classroom on the first day of school <laughs> like those kids are wanting to go to school they want to learn how to read um they want to be big as and, a former uh, kindergarten teacher i would agree yeah and I then um in fact, so on page 166 is the side-by-side -side of, you know, unicorn versus narwhal. But on page 167, there's a side-by-side -side picture of a kindergartner on his first day of school with a big grin, super excited. And then a kindergartner on the second day of school, like really defeated, you know, like, oh, what was I so excited about before? <laughs> well, we do this. Yes, it's we institutionalized. absolutely. We absolutely do. I've got a episode coming up with a um, a young lady from Montana, and we're going to talk about kindergarten and what it absolutely should be versus what it is. Mm -hmm. So yeah, mm -hmm. that, that, that'd be a really cool episode. Um, but girl, listen, we could talk engagement all night long because I am definitely, I'm going to use one of your words here. I'm definitely absorbed in this Yay! conversation. Yes. <laughs> and in this topic. Um, but like I told you, um, at the beginning, I really like to um, I guess, sprinkle some knowledge onto these listeners and, and, you know, when they want to connect with you, they're going to reach out to you or they're going to get, get your book and they're going to read on it. Um, so let our listeners know all those folks out there in the edusphere, how can they get a hold of you? So, um, the easiest thing to do is go to my website and it's lionsletters.com. So L Y O N S L-E-T-T-E-R-S 
www.jennifer.com. And so everything that you would ever want to find out is on there. My Twitter handle is at Lions Letters. Um, and I'm mostly on Twitter. I'm also on uh, LinkedIn, a little bit on Instagram, but that's more like to see my crazy kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I have the book um, out. Uh, engagement is not a unicorn, it's a narwhal. And um, in addition to explaining, um, you know, all of these differences, the last section of that book is engagement strategies. Oh, so cool. how do you get someone from non-compliant to compliant, from compliant to interested, from interested to absorbed? And then my book that's going to come out this fall, the big book of engagement strategies, has over 50 strategies in there laid out in the same way. And I have had educators from um, United States and Canada contribute um, to it. And so it's a great resource, um, no matter if, you know, you're starting your first teaching job this fall or uh, you're going to um, retire this summer. So <laughs> cool. Cool. Well, OK, um, you have given us tons of knowledge uh, this evening or this morning, whenever our listeners are, are, are listening. So um, I just want to tell you, you know, um, as we wind it down, thank you very, very much for joining me this evening. I have had just the best time. Thank you so much. Yeah, I have too. It's 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 wonderful to meet crazy people like me um, <laughs> that think that their ideas can change the world um, because the world only changes when we share our big ideas. Thank you. Yes, very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And so to my listeners out there, I'm going to close like I love to do, and I'm going to drop another nugget about dreams. The only place where your dream becomes impossible is in your own thinking. And so to my listeners out there, thank you once again. And as always, if you have a big idea, please shoot it to me. Um, if you have any, you know, anything you want to talk about at all, I don't even, I don't care if you just want to talk about food, just reach out to me. Let's talk. Um, and as I love to say, until next time, I will see you in the funny paper. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper. <laughs>